0: Work is worship this morning. For those of you who don't know, my name is Pastor Jason. I have the opportunity to serve as the adult ministry pastor here at Friendship. Uh, we're in this series, Work as Worship, and my boss is Pastor Kenny, and he is gone this week, coincidentally, the message for this morning is titled, My Boss at Work. <laughs> and unfortunately, he only gave me 35 minutes, which I don't think is enough for my boss at work, but we'll, we'll get through it. Um, actually, I've, I've been blessed in this area when we think about employers, people that we work for, Um, I have been incredibly blessed. The last church that I was at had very healthy leadership, a healthy elder board and healthy senior pastor to work with. And at Friendship, it's no different. I feel like a very healthy uh, board of trustees and elder board and leadership here um, at Friendship. But I also recognize that there are uh, some or maybe many of you in this room who have experienced maybe not the healthiest bosses or work experiences. And so hopefully this series will help us to find maybe some healing from that, but also to find purpose in our work uh, and encouragement in our work despite whatever circumstance we find ourselves in in our work. And that's kind of the goal uh, and the hope for This series, and particularly this morning, as we look at uh, my boss at work. If you were with us last week, Pastor Kenny uh, started this sermon series by pointing out a few foundational truths about work. One of those truths is, as we can see from the creation account, God created us to work. Uh, Work is a good thing, it came before the fall. We were, we were created to be workers, and partially we were created to be workers because God himself is a worker. He worked to uh, make creation come about, and we we're made in the image of God, and therefore we, we bear that worker image of God. Work is good. That's kind of the foundation for this sermon series. This week, we're moving into this concept of my boss at work. Who is my boss at work? Who am I serving at work and what does that mean for the work that I do? Those are uh, some of the questions that we're going to answer this morning. And as we seek to answer those questions, I would love if you would pray with me that we would encounter Jesus this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity week after week after week to come together as your people to sing songs of praise to you together, and encouragement to one another, to open up your word and be transformed by it, because Holy Spirit, you are here, you are present, and we pray that you would grant us hearts that are soft, and eyes that can see, and ears that will hear, and hearts that will understand the words that you have for us this morning, and grant us the wisdom and the courage to respond to your word this morning by faith and, if needed, repentance it's in Christ's name we pray amen well I wouldn't call myself a history buff but I've listened to a few podcasts so I feel like I can claim an expertise in podcast listening at least on history and I encountered this concept in one of the podcasts that I was listening to I think the term for it is gogoka-cho but I don't know. I was talking with Pastor Matt earlier this week. He couldn't help me out. Let, we'll just say it's gagoku-cho. It's this concept in the pre-World War II Japan. Uh, in their military, there existed this, this idea um, that if you received an order that you believed was contrary to what was best for the emperor and the empire, it was your duty to uh, gagoku-cho that and not obey. Not comply. Further, if uh, if you saw something that should be done that would uh, be for the benefit of the emperor or the empire, uh, it was your duty to to do that and to act autonomously. And so, you had uh, in pre World War II Japan, you had individuals and individual units basically acting autonomously because um, yes, they had a chain of command, but they had this emperor that transcended all of that, and if you were acting in the interests of that emperor, you kind of bypassed the chain of command because you were serving something greater. There was an allegiance that, that transcended your immediate hierarchy. So that would change the way that some of these units and some of these individuals engaged in the work that they did. And and maybe you're starting to see the, the clear parallel to uh, When we have the God of the universe as the one that we are serving, the one that transcends all hierarchies and the one that transcends all allegiances, that may change the way that we engage in the work that we are being called to do. That's kind of the main point of this morning. Because Jesus is our ultimate boss, the one that we have our allegiance towards, we can worship through our work. We may have Uh, an employer that we work for, or other people that we are accountable to in the various types of work that we engage in. But if we view Jesus as the one that we have ultimate allegiance to, it will change how we engage in our work. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying that that means if you have an employer, uh, you are free to do whatever you want because of Jesus. No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying here, okay? Are we clear? Can I, can I see everybody say yes, we're clear? I don't want anyone leaving saying, well, Pastor Jason said, nope. Because Jesus is our ultimate boss, we can worship through our work, and that Viewing him as the one that we are serving will change uh, how we view our work and sometimes how we engage in the work that we're called to do. So we're going to begin in Colossians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to open up to that. We're, we're going to be there for just a little bit and talk about that. And that's going to be a springboard into uh, seeing in Colossians 3, Jesus is the one that we serve. So I'm not telling you this, the Bible's gonna tell you this. You're not taking my word for it, I'm showing you from scripture that Jesus is our boss, he's the one that we serve. And then from there we're gonna look at some implications. If Jesus is my boss at work, there are a few implications that we're going to look at uh, this morning. I'm protected from idolatry at work, I'm invited to walk by faith in my work, I'm motivated by God's love in my work, and I'm encouraged by the eternal significance of my work. We'll get there, but first, let's see from scripture that Jesus really is the one that we serve in our work, and we see that in Colossians 3, verses 22 to 24. Paul writes, "Uh, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, As for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. And if you haven't picked up on it by now, you are serving the Lord Christ. In this passage, Paul is addressing bond servants. Now, bond servants are somewhat of a middle ground between what we may envision for American slavery and how we view the job force in America. So bond servants were not necessarily slaves, the way that we may view them. Bond servants are also not necessarily the job force, the way that we view it in America. But it was something in the middle, and Paul is telling them, uh, in the labor and the work that you do, you're serving the Lord, honor the Lord. Bond servants uh, were engaged and had earthly masters and, and did, did the bidding of their earthly masters, did the labor that the earthly masters called them to do, because they had hit some sort of financial hardship. Bond servants couldn't pay their bills or couldn't pay their debtors. And so therefore they sold their labor to a master. The master would choose the nature of that labor. The master uh, would, would receive their weight. I mean, basically the bond servants didn't really have much say in how their wages were spent or in uh, the type of labor that they were engaged in. Um, but it was also for a period of time. And then when they could pay off their debts or when they had worked their debts off, they were, they were free. Again, not slavery, also not the workforce. The American workforce is different. We have the privilege, most of us, of choosing the nature of the labor that we engage in. We also have the privilege of negotiating uh, various benefits uh, that, that come along with the work that we do. We also have the privilege of receiving that payment and choosing what we would like to do with the money that's given to us, right? So those are some uh, differences between bond servants and the U.S. job force, workforce. Now, if Paul can tell bond servants who don't have a choice in the matter of what type of work they're doing, who don't have negotiating power, who don't have a choice in terms of how their wages are spent because all their wages are spent on paying off their debts... If he can tell them you're not serving your masters, you're 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 serving the Lord ultimately. So continue to serve your earthly masters in ways that honor the Lord. How much more so can he tell us who can choose the nature of our work and can choose what we do with our compensation? Hey. Yes, you are serving the Lord in that, and so honor him by serving your earthly masters in ways that honor the Lord. Honor him by serving your employers and those that you are accountable to in ways uh, that honor and glorify the Lord. So we get this principle from Scripture that Jesus is our ultimate one that we are accountable to, the one that we are serving, and there are implications then uh, that come out in uh, the nature of our work. So we're just going to look at a few. This is a sampling. We've got four implications. Buckle in. The first implication is long. Okay. This is, this is a, this one will take some time to work through. It may be the most important one. I don't know. Uh, And then the other three are a little bit shorter, Um, but we're going to dive into this first implication. Jesus is my boss at work. And let me just remind us when we talk about work. uh, Yes, it's, could be vocational work, or working for an employer, or, or being self-employed. But we could also be thinking about uh, being a student, uh, doing our work as students, or um, being a, being a kid in a house and engaging in household chores that our parents are calling us to do to contribute to the household. Uh, we could be talking about. Uh, the service that you engage in when you serve at Friendship Church, or the service that you engage in when you volunteer and serve in our community, that we're talking about work in general, all types of work. I view Jesus as the one that I'm ultimately serving. So here are some of the implications that come out in that. The first one is this: that I'm protected from idolatry at work when I view Jesus as my boss. Now, I'm not an artist. Well, I, I draw sometimes, and it's terrible. So when I say I'm not an artist, that's what I mean. I, I wanted to create an image of a road with some ditches on the side. Our graphic designer was out getting married and on her honeymoon, so I couldn't have her do that work. So I, I tried it myself and realized, man, I really appreciate Lexi, because uh, whew, this road does not look good. So. Instead of seeing an image, you're going to have to picture one yourselves, all right? So just picture a road. Shouldn't be too difficult. Trust me, it's hard to draw. Uh, Picture a road. You're driving down this road, down the center. On either side is a ditch. This road is good God-honoring work. On one ditch, you have the idol of work. Workaholism. We've made work into an idol. Don't veer off into that ditch. On the other side in the other ditch, you have an idol of, well, idleness, uh, comfort, pleasure, uh, doing as little work as possible or no work at all. Don't veer off into that ditch either. How do we stay the course on good, God-honoring work and not fall into an idol around our work, either creating work into an idol or creating comfort or pleasure into an idol? By recognizing who we serve. When we recognize that Christ is the one that we are serving, it protects us from falling into either ditch. I'll show you how. On the one side, we have the idol of work. One of the places that we can see um, God helping us uh, not create an idol of work is in the commandment of the Sabbath. That is repeated throughout Scripture, but we can see it in Exodus 20, verses 8 to 10. Uh, Through Moses, the Lord wrote, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. What does he mean by you? You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. The call here is pretty clear to honor the Lord one day a week uh, by not working. One of the things that I love the most about the Sabbath, and one of the major aspects of the Sabbath, is that it's one of the most tangible ways to regularly remind ourselves that we trust in God as the provider and not ourselves. It's a recognition that our human effort in the good work that we do is still not the ultimate source of our provision. God provides and he often provides through the work that we do but we are not the providers. God ultimately is. When when we seek to honor the Sabbath, we are literally putting our money where our mouth is. And we are saying, God, one day a week, I'm humble enough to admit it, that if I don't attend to some of this work that you have called me to do, the whole universe is not going to collapse. This morning, are you willing to admit that? We live in a culture that idolizes the grind. That idolizes, do you have a second side gig, a third side gig? What do you do? How productive are you being with your time? Honoring the Sabbath says, doesn't matter how productive I am with my time. In the six days that, that I have to work, I'm going to work. And on the seventh day, I'm going I'm to say, God, I'm not just going to say it with my mouth. I'm going to live it and act it and say, you're in control. My world will not collapse. When, I'm, when I can't honor, and dis- honor the Sabbath, it's because I've put myself in the place of God and somehow have the audacity to believe that I'm the one who's in control of everything in my life and that if I work hard enough, everything will work itself out as opposed to trusting in the Lord for that. And the Sabbath is a helpful rhythm that allows me to acknowledge God as provider, not just with my mouth, but with my actions. When I recognize that Jesus, the God of the universe, the one who, according to Colossians, is the one who holds all things together, God who is provider, when I recognize it, that that's the one that I serve, that frees me to be able to say, okay, that's right, I don't need to make an idol out of work. I don't need to sacrifice myself on the altar of human productivity because I serve a God who provides and who will provide. To become a workaholic means we've made an idol out of work. Now, we may do this for a variety of reasons. We may do it because uh, we are trusting too much in ourselves. But we may also uh, find work as an escape. We may fall into this ditch of, of uh, work as an idol because it's easier than the other responsibilities and pressures in our lives. If I can occupy myself at work, then the tensions at home occupy less of my time. I can occupy myself more at work than the things that I don't want to deal with. Well, uh, sorry, I can't deal with them. I'm, I'm working. This isn't bad, right? I'm working. Work has escape. I offer myself to work, and in return, I get relief from those pressures. Another reason we may fall into the ditch of idolatry is seeing work as our identity. Maybe my ability to accomplish certain things or to make a certain amount of money is what I've wrapped my identity in. Well, I've made night a lot of work. I'm not finding my identity in Christ and in his blood that covers my sin. I'm finding my identity in the productivity and the things that I can do and, and look at look at how I'm building myself up. And so I've veered into this ditch of workaholism because I've wrapped my identity in it. Or maybe as we've alluded to, I fall into the ditch because I find work as security. I may be anxious about the future. I need to store up more resources now so that I feel better about what's to come. I need to provide for myself. Yes, there is another side of this ditch, the ditch of idleness, the the ditch of laziness, the ditch of comfort and pleasure. Yes, we are cautioned to to not just throw work out the window and, and give up work. But at the same time, we must be reminded that God provides And so I find work as security and I make an idol out of it. When I immerse myself into my work as a means of finding security in my life. When I do that, I've denied God as the ultimate provider and make work an idol. But when I take what Scripture says seriously, that in the work that I do, I'm serving the Lord that protects me from falling into that idolatry. I'm serving the one who provides all things. And so I'm able to step away. And it's a it's a double win. I, I have the security of knowing that God will provide without the pressure of having to be on 24 seven. The work that I do can now be life giving and not draining and not always just not enough. So I gotta do more and I gotta do more and I gotta do more. No, I believe that God provides. And so I work hard when I'm working, but when I'm honoring the Lord with the Sabbath or with my time off, I'm genuinely trusting that the provider uh, who created the universe can provide. He can make up for that lost eight hours on a day. I've done the math. I think God can do it. Seeing Jesus as our ultimate boss, the one that we are serving, frees us and protects us from that idolatry. Now, it protects us from the other side of the ditch as well—the idol of idleness or comfort or pleasure. There, are, you know dozens of places you can see this picture in uh, scripture a few times in the book of proverbs and here's one of them the sluggard does not plow in the autumn so go figure he will seek at harvest and well he, he didn't plow so he'll have nothing makes sense I think we learned this last week, because of sin, work is hard. Work became difficult when sin entered the world. Uh, God God designed work to be uh, a good thing, life-giving, and, and he designed it in a way that we would work in cooperation with creation. Now, when sin entered the world, instead what we get is working in competition with creation, and so therefore work is hard. I don't know about you, but well, maybe you, everyone else is different from me. But when I do a project at home, everything goes wrong. Does anyone ever run into that? Oh, okay. 30-minute project. Four trips to Home Depot, eight hours later, we're almost done. <laughs> Work is hard. I don't want my life to be hard. I want my life to be Easy. Therefore, since work is hard and I want my life to be easy, I should do the bare minimum amount of work that allows me to get by. I should work for the weekend. We live in this weird time in our culture where the idol of work and the idol of uh, comfort and pleasure have come together We we live in this time where our culture has idolized work and idolized the grind and productivity and and this and that, while at the same time idolizing the comfort and the pleasure that you can have from all the things that you're all the money that you're making from the work that you're doing. But if Jesus is my boss, he can redeem my work. It may still be hard. But it's worth it. And it's valuable. And viewing Jesus as the one that I'm serving, I'm no longer working for the weekend. I'm working for Christ. I'm not working just so that I can uh, get enough done that that will pay my bills. And and then I'm just going to veg out and enjoy everything that, that I can. Just because sin has infected work and made it difficult doesn't change the fact that God designed me to work. And recognizing that Jesus is the one that I serve protects me from falling into that ditch of the idol of comfort or pleasure. No, I'm not working to the end of comfort and pleasure. I'm working to glorify Jesus. I have something greater than that. I'm not working for myself. I'm not working for my employer. I'm working for Christ Jesus. To serve him, to honor him, to glorify him, and to make him known to the ends of the earth. That's what I'm there for. That Whatever it is that I'm doing, whether I'm at home, or engaging in manual labor, or engaging in a trade, or, or as a student, wh- or serving in my community, or in my church, whatever the work is that I'm doing, I'm doing it for Christ Jesus, to glorify him. Have you made an idol in your work this morning? Have you fallen into one of those ditches? Because you're looking to work for security or for your identity or because you're looking to work just enough to enjoy life and have comfort and pleasure and not have your life be difficult? The answer isn't stop doing those things. The answer is to reorient. Who am I working for? Who am I serving? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that's the first implication. I told you it was a long one. You were forewarned. We've got three more and they're shorter, trust me. And I mean it this time. Sometimes I say something's gonna be really short and then you know, 40 minutes later we're still here. That's not gonna happen today, okay? Because Jesus is my boss at work, I'm protected from idolatry at work like we just saw. Another implication of this idea of serving the Lord is I'm invited to walk by faith in my work. Uh, A pretty well-known passage, Hebrews 11.1, Uh, in talking about enduring in our faith in Jesus, says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. See, in a world where work is hard, it takes faith to recognize that work is still a good part of our good God's design. When I identify Jesus as the one that I am ultimately serving in my work, I have a chance to walk by faith in the work that I'm doing. Because what's right in front of me says, this is hard. This isn't worth it. This is frustrating. Why am I doing this? Work isn't good. But what the Bible teaches me is, this is good. I was designed for work. Uh, sin, has, sin has certainly corrupted it, but work is still good. And I have to walk by faith and believe that so that I can do my work in a way that honors the Lord, whatever it is that I'm doing, raising kids or in a trade or sitting at a desk or working as a student. And I know I've already heard you can relate. Work is frustrating. It can be draining. Sometimes, sometimes it feels futile. Like what am I doing here? It takes faith, the conviction of things unseen, to say, God, this is still good, even though it's hard. God, this work seems futile, but I'm going to do it in a way that glorifies you. I can do that when I view Jesus as the one that I'm serving. When I view myself as the one that I'm serving, I say, God, this is hard, let's find something else. When I view myself as the one that I'm serving, I say, God, this is hard, and I'm just going to have a terrible attitude about this and not contribute at all. When I'm serving Jesus, I say, God, this is hard. I'm going to work hard, though, at it because I know I'm serving you and I know that what I'm doing is good. I'm invited to walk by faith and grow in my faith and stretch that faith muscle. Even when what's right in front of my eyes and what I'm experiencing at work seems to tell me that work is hard, that work is bad, that I, that I should give up. And there's more encouragement in our faith. When Christ returns, we have all these prophetic images of the lion laying down with the lamb. Those images point us to realize that creation will be once again what it was. Working not in competition with creation, but working in cooperation with creation. I don't know about you, Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that sound awesome? When I go to, like, remove a screw, it's not stripped? Oh! (laughs) Working in cooperation with creation, not in competition with it. We cling to that hope that the work that we do now is good and it's a foreshadowing of awesome work we will get to engage in when Christ redeems and creates the new heavens and the new earth. When I recognize that Christ is who I'm serving, I've opened the door to growing in my faith even in the work that I engage in. What about your work this morning? Whatever it is, that you find yourself doing, wherever it is you find yourself laboring, wherever it is you find yourself working, are you treating it as an opportunity to walk by faith as you do your work unto the Lord? I encourage you, if if your work is difficult, if you're in a hard season of, of work right now, go to the Lord, tell him how you feel. Jesus, my work is hard, my work is draining, my coworkers are frustrating. Whatever it is, tell him. And then tell him, but I'm choosing to walk by faith. Holy Spirit, help me honor you even in this. Because you're not serving yourself. You're not serving your employer. You're serving Christ Jesus. Because Jesus is my boss at work. I'm protected from idolatry at work. Like I promised, that one was much shorter. I'm invited to walk by faith in my work. Another implication of Christ being the one that we serve, being our ultimate boss, is that I'm motivated by God's love in my work. It changes my motivation. It changes the why behind what I'm doing. 1 John 3.16 tells us, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay our lives down for the brothers. See, Jesus is the one that we ultimately serve in all we work. And and Jesus is the one who models to us uh, how we engage in the work and the labor and the things that we're called to do. And Jesus, and what he was called to do, laid down his life for the sake of others, for the sake of you and me, that if we put our faith in him, we can know salvation and know the newness of life. Uh, And it was God's love that drove Jesus to do that, that motivated Christ to go to the cross. And if we want to emulate Jesus in what we do, then in the work that we do, when, when we view us, ourselves as serving Jesus, we're now motivated by this lay down your life for the sake of the other love. Well, who wants to go and work like that? Too often in the work that we do, especially in our vocational work, we slip into a motivated by love for self mindset. We've already looked at some of this. How can I do as little work as possible to get through? I'll tell you, if that's the way I'm viewing my work, I'm not viewing Jesus as the one that I'm serving. I'm viewing myself as the one that I'm serving. But when we are motivated by the love of Christ, by the lay down his life, love it changes how we engage in our work. It doesn't have to be vocational. I had a, a family who was at our former church. that They had been at the church for a few years before I had gotten there. I got to know this family really well. And there were some changes uh, being made at the church. Not bad changes, just uh, preference type changes. One of them was uh, worship style and music and how we did our worship ministry and things like that. This family, um, I knew didn't really agree with those changes, they, they weren't their preferences, and they felt somewhat strongly about it, but they never, ever, ever created any disunity around it, and they continued to serve in the local church for years and years and years at our church with a few more preference changes being made. One of them, like I said, the major one was some of the worship style, and what's incredible is that um, this guy was an integral part of our worship ministry And he just continued to serve. And so one day I asked him years into these changes, like, why are you still here? There are other great churches uh, right here in the area that you have connections to. You you know a ton of other believers there. Uh, It would be so much easier for you to go over there. Why? Well, he had a lay down my life. And for him, a type of love that was motivating his work. And for him, that meant lay down my preferences. I'm going to lay down my preferences because I'm in the work that I'm doing to serve the church. I'm not serving myself, I'm serving the Lord. And Jesus doesn't care what my worship preference is. So if I'm serving Jesus, why would I think about leaving a church that I've established myself and my family in, in a church that I'm serving, in a church that that has this mutual building up? Why would I ever leave that? See, his, his view of the labor that he's doing being for the Lord as opposed to for somebody else or for himself changed the way that he engaged in his work. There are, there are many people who would see that and say, yeah, I'm out. It's easier to go somewhere else. I don't like these changes. But when we view Jesus as the one that we're serving and we're motivated by a lay down my life love in the work that we do, it changes how we do that work. What motivates you in the work that you do at home, in service to this church, in service to the community, in your career, for your employer? What motivates you? in the work that you do is it money security prestige a sense of feeling good about yourself or is what motivates you in your work the lay down his life love of christ it'll make a difference in how you view your work and how you engage in your work. If I'm motivated by God's love and by laying down my life in conflict, when I, when I face conflict in whatever work that I'm doing, I respond instead of with destruction, I respond with love and patience and compassion in an attitude that seeks the good of others above myself. Intention, I respond with an attitude of peace building instead of defiantly digging in. Because Jesus is my ultimate boss, my work is motivated by his love. And that changes how I engage in my work. Because Jesus is my boss, I'm protected from idolatry at work. I'm invited to walk by faith in my work. I'm motivated by God's love in the work that I do. And finally, I'm encouraged by the eternal significance of my work. When Jesus is your boss, it doesn't matter what you're doing. When you view Christ Jesus as your boss, what you do matters. In Ephesians 6, 7 to 8, Paul tells us, Render service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. No work that is done by faith to glorify God, motivated by Christ's love, is done in vain. No work. If it is seeking to honor Christ, if it is done by faith, if it is motivated by Christ's love. No work is done in vain. When I read uh, Ephesians six seven to eight, um, we can think in, in in abstract terms about eternal rewards that we may receive in heaven. But where my mind really goes about the eternal significance of my work, uh, as I meditate on Ephesians six, is I. I go to the the opportunities that I have to engage in the work of the Great Commission, to engage in the work of making disciples and of making Christ known to the ends of the earth. If I'm treating my work as worship, My work is an investment in that mission. My work is my mission field, the labor that I do, the service to the church, the service to the community, how I treat my boss and how I treat my coworkers. That's an investment in making disciples of all nations. And and what it is, it's I can work in a way that bears witness to Jesus. So then my work as I'm seeking to glorify the Lord has eternal significance because my work combined with my words that point to Christ make Christ known and magnify and glorify glorify the risen Lord Jesus. Whatever it is that I'm doing, if I'm doing it for the glory of the Lord, it has eternal significance. Wherever you find yourself this morning, however difficult your work situation may be, God wants to meet you there with the encouragement of the eternal significance that you may have in the work that you are doing to help make Christ Jesus known. Because Jesus is our ultimate boss, we can worship through our work. We're protected from idolatry at work. We're invited to walk by faith in our work. We're motivated by the love of God in our work. And we're encouraged by the eternal significance of our work. So keep on. Where, where you're at, some of you, work is hard right now. Work is draining, work is overwhelming. Even still, keep on, worship the Lord, be encouraged that you are serving the Lord Jesus. The work God calls us to do is good, it's life-giving, it's faith-building, it's sanctifying, and it's a way that we can bear witness to Christ Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come back out as we prepare for communion. Now, a few things that we do um, with communion here at Friendship is first we we offer communion to those who are believers, to those who have trusted in Christ Jesus and made him the Lord of our lives and made him the one that we serve uh, in all that we do, including our work. And so we invite you this morning, if you are trusting in Jesus by faith for the forgiveness of sins and new life uh, and, and serving him with your life, we invite you to the communion table. And as we reflect this morning, in a moment, the band's going to play a song. We'll have a chance to uh, worship the Lord through the music or through reflection. But at some point during that song, I'll invite you up to grab the communion elements. But as you reflect, go before the Lord and, and, and have him search your heart, especially with the work that you engage in. Have I made an idol out of work, God? Have I made an idol out of idleness? Am I not walking by faith in my work? Am I serving myself instead of you? Am I motivated by love of self instead of love for you? Am I not using the work that you've given me as a chance to invest in eternal things? There's a lot there. There's a lot to chew on. If you find that God is convicting you of something great, communion is where we receive the forgiveness and are reminded that the Holy Spirit is alive within us and wants us to engage and work in a way that honors Jesus. So I'm gonna give you just a few moments here. Reflect as you need as we sing uh, in response to the Lord. When you're ready, make your way to the tables for the communion elements, and I'll be back out here after the song to lead us through those elements.